Welcome to Next Level Christianity, a podcast designed to teach biblical truth, help Christians apply it to their daily lives, and gain true clarity of what it means to follow Jesus. Our churches and Christian communities are continuously being influenced by cultural and worldly views, and few pastors are teaching on how to live a biblical life. My name is John Alkire. Please join me for important conversations where biblical truth and life application collide. I hope these episodes help equip and motivate you to take your Christian faith to the next level. So grab your Bible and join me in the conversation. Well, welcome back to another episode of Next Level Christianity. I'm your host, John Alkire. I hope everyone is doing well wherever you are in the country uh, and world. And to our subscribed listeners, just want to thank you so much for your support on this podcast. I want to give a quick update before we get going tonight on some changes for Next Level. Carrie, my wife, and I have been doing this together for about a year or so. She joined in on episode number three, which we did that was called Equally Yoked. And by the way, it is our number two most played episode of the podcast right behind cost of christianity it was a huge hit and from there she has been my co-host on about 13 of the 24 episodes recorded so far she's been a huge asset to the ministry and has brought biblical wisdom and wonderful perspectives to the conversations but after a lot of discussion and prayer she and i decided together that it was best she focuses on her role with the children and uh, she also works on an MLM business on the side. And since this whole COVID situation, we've decided to homeschool our nine and six-year-old for the fall. And our older kids in high school, uh, well, their schedule is going to be interesting. And it's going to be a mix of home and class. I changed roles recently uh, two times through uh, since March. But... Uh, uh, role changes in my company, so a lot of learning and uncertain schedules and future travel. So on top of that, our older kids also highly uh, into baseball and softball uh, programs and are active with events and, and travel with those. So as you can imagine, we spend hours preparing for each episode and also an hour to prep and record them. So with all these factors, something had to give. We feel this platform and these opportunities to share God's scriptures and message was too important to stop it all together. So moving forward, I will be continuing the podcast and the teachings. I love doing these. And like I told Carrie, if one person is edified or is changed because of what we're putting out, it's worth it. More importantly, it's it's really a legacy we can leave behind for our children and grandchildren, assuming podcasts will still be a thing. So we're going to move forward. I'm going to move forward. Um, so just want to give you that update, uh, moving forward. So a little bit of change on the podcast descriptions, um, cover a little bit, uh, will change here moving forward. But, uh, again, Carrie has been a great asset. It's been fun. I'm sure I'll have her on in an episode down the road or two, but, uh, but anyway, that's where we're headed. And so last episode, uh, episode 24, I broke down John chapter 6, and we went through important teachings of Jesus. If you have not listened to it, please do so. There's a lot of content in this. And tonight is going to be even more fun, I think. 
literally this came together over coffee this weekend, reading scriptures like I do, try to do every day. And it was total Holy Spirit guiding uh, as I was able to string together a, a powerful array of verses that addressed mankind, human mankind, who are dead in their sin and the nature of, of basically of children of wrath and God's mercy and love for the spiritually dead. And then the free gift he offers of grace through faith in Christ and the power and the will of the Father in salvation which we touched on uh, in episode 24 in John 6. And lastly, we're going to touch on his sheep and who are his sheep. And we're going to look at John chapter 10. So I'm just going to say this up front. Please bear with me as we are going to bounce around through scriptures. So you're going to want to grab your Bibles and, and get on your Bible app if you don't have your Bible in front of you. And if you're out walking or you're driving in your car, uh, and you don't have one uh, a Bible near you, and you're just going to listen, that's cool. Uh, it's going to be a lot, so I suggest highly um, that you uh, come back to it and, uh, and look it over. I want to open this up by saying if you currently sit in a charismatic or modern church, there's a good chance you haven't heard much of these verses and or teachings. You see, sermons today are tend to be motivational speeches, self-help points with sprinkles of lifted verses. And scripture is God-breathed, and it doesn't need man-centered or man-altered rhetoric or opinions to bring it to life. The power of truth in the teachings of Jesus through the Gospels and the authors of the epistles are extraordinary. And if you're not in your scriptures, you don't know what I'm talking about, but they're extraordinary. So before we get going, I wanted to share a verse from Paul that comes from 1 Corinthians. And someone who's edified me uh, for uh, quite a while now is Dr. James White. If you don't know him, please look him up. And he uses it in a main theme of his book called Pulpit Crimes. And he basically suggests this was missed, this verse that we're going to talk about was missed as a critical scripture to learn in seminary. And he believes it should be the pillar uh, for new pastors to be taught in seminary. And I'd have to agree with him based on what it says. And let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. And I'm using the uh, New American Standard Bible. It's my favorite, NASB. And for Christ did not send me to baptize. This is a proof text that baptism doesn't mean that you aren't saved. The gospel is what saves, and that's what Paul focuses on. So I just want to start there. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech. Very critical here. Not in cleverness of speech. Why? He says, so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. Not in cleverness of speech. Are you in a church where there's a whole lot of cleverness of speech happening? Man theology, man opinion, man declarations, man revelations. Paul did not want the cross to be made void with this. This is what he says. Can I get an amen here? So if we do not share the gospel 
when we preach, we subject ourselves to making the cross void, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 1.17. You know, I love John Gill. I get a lot, I use a lot of John Gill. I think he's a 1700s Baptist reformist, uh, but super smart and just incredible commentary on scripture. But John Gill says here on this exact verse, so we heard Dr. White uh, use it as a catalyst to his book, Pulpit Crimes. But John Gill says he was not sent to preach of man's wisdom with human eloquence, with great swelling words of vanity, but in plain, humble, modest manner on which account False teachers despised him because of it. They tried to bring his ministry into contempt with others, but his way and in manner of preaching, he chose to not make the cross void. Lest man's ears and fancy should be tickled and pleased with his eloquence of speech, the elegancy of diction and expression, the beauty of oration and not in the manner of preaching. In case the success of the ministry should be attributed to the force of enticing words and strength, persuasion of content, and not to the energy of divine power attending the doctrine of the cross. Wow, that was John Gill. So I hope that helps whet your appetite for what we're going to talk about. Again, theology matters, folks. I'm just going to say, again, if you're in a church with what I described, um, cleverness of speech, man-made theology, man-made uh, opinions of Scripture, uh, theology matters, and it's a dangerous place. So, so again, grab your Bible and notepads if you have them, and let's dig into this. If you don't know or maybe have been taught differently, the Bible is clear about man's condition. It is not sick or somewhat tainted. We know by Scripture we are all dead in our sin. From the very beginning, we learn this in Genesis, okay? So look at Genesis chapter 6 and Genesis chapter 8. I think it's 6 5. I'm positive it's 6 5. I'm not sure what the 8 chapter is. But, but let's look at it. God tells us in, in Genesis 6, He saw the wickedness of mankind was great and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Not just sometimes. All the time is another translation. I have the NASB, NASB which is going to say continuously, but other versions say all of the time. Same difference. Chapter 8, you're going to find he's going to say after... The flood, and he promises not to do it again. But he says, look at, uh, no, I'm sorry, let me back up here. He says, uh, for the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth. So now God is saying it's from the beginning. It's from when they're young. So I, I just say, think, you think I'm wrong, let's just, Let's just try this out. If you're a parent or been around kids, look at a young child, put some toys out on the floor and let two young children play together. You will see the sinful nature come out pretty quickly, if you know what I mean. 
It's because of our sinful condition. We are far from God. His wrath is upon us. We are lost. We are spiritually dead and we're on the path of destruction. And I just got to stop here. I'm going to make a note on my notes because before I move on, I've been seeing so much of universal universal, uh, view, which universalism is basically the the belief that everybody's going to go to heaven. It's just like God loves everybody and everybody's going to go to heaven. And that folks, and I just saw a a, a friend of ours or acquaintance of ours uh, put in her stories, um, some, some pretty crazy stuff about this. And it is false. It is not the case. Uh, we are dead to God and, uh, we are uh, a sinful, uh, rebel who hate God. And we'll get into that. And there's nothing we can do to fix this. We can't fix the state we're in. Not a prayer, not a good deed, not a, a donation, not a, a, a morally good life, a good moral code you think you have. Because the Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6, to start, For all of us have become like one who is unclean. Not just some, all. Just like God said in Genesis, we all have evil in our heart from uh, from the very beginning, from our youth, continually. Isaiah, for all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like filthy garment. And all of us wither like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. All our righteous deeds are like filthy garment. So that wonderful thing you think you're doing or have done or serve service that you're doing at the church whatever that may be to God it's a filthy garment and we pick up in Romans chapter 3 verse 12 and 18 Paul tells us there is none righteous not even one there is none who seeks God there is no one who does good, not even one. Now, that's in those verses in Romans 3, 12 through 18. And you hear that there is no one that seeks God. And I just want to stop there. How many churches have you heard the word seeker church? We're, we're an evangelistic church that seeks people who are, or, or who are there who, for people who, who are seeking God. Well, based on Romans 3 and Paul, nobody seeks God. Nobody does. So you're not a seeker church because nobody seeks God and that's not biblical. Nobody wants God. Nobody understands, it says in that verse. No one understands God. And none of us are good, not even one, just like Isaiah 64, 6 says. Now we'll start this by looking at Ephesians 2, 1. And this is where it started for me when I was kind of working through all this kind of in a rhythm and, and the Holy Spirit just guided me through and I'm just going to share these paths with you uh, of the gospel. Call it the gospel from our human nature um, to the love and, uh, and mercy of God to those who he chooses and who he offers the free gift of grace and the process of that and the sovereignty of salvation. Uh, we're going to walk through that process. And so let's look at Ephesians 2, one. What does he say? And you were, now he's speaking to the already saved, the people that have already, already have a relationship with Christ. But he says, you were dead in your transgress, or sorry, you were dead in your trespasses and sins 
of which you walked according to the course of the world. Look at verse 3. You lived in lust of the flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature of children of wrath. Wow. Dead in your trespasses and sins before you knew Christ, by nature of children of wrath. In verse 4, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love, which he loved us even when we were dead in our transgressions. Basically, transgressions in this text means sins against God. We were made alive together with Christ. Now let's move to verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. Nothing you did, not you. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no man may boast. Nothing we did, nothing we deserved, we are given the free gift of grace that will then pass judgment, not guilty, convert us and move us into adoption with Christ. And I want to stop here because this is an important verse for all the other religions. I'll put Catholic, Mormonism, um, and I'll put uh, Jehovah's Witness. I'll put all pretty much the religions that, are, that, that have faith, but it's based on faith plus works. And this verse right here is something you want to know and understand because that isn't the gospel. And you're going to learn this in, in throughout Romans, and you can hear it in Galatians. Read Galatians 1 through 5 for a deep dive into this. But again, Ephesians 2.8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of any works, so that no man may boast. So again, we are dead from the birth in our evil hearts, our sin against God by nature. We are, or were if you are saved, but dead in sin. And only God's mercy and love makes us alive through his free gift of grace, found through only our faith in Christ. Nothing more, nothing less. Now I want to move over to to, to John, let's move into the, the book of John, chapter 5, verse 24, and we'll just kind of move into this process. And it's one of my favorite favorites from Jesus himself, okay? And so now here we are. We have this, we talked about our nature. It's sinful from the beginning. Uh, we're wicked. We're rebellious. We don't understand God. We don't seek God. We don't have any of our goodness isn't good to God. Um, and so we are to... Uh, to, to change that, our only option for eternal life and to be alive in Christ is faith through Christ. So listen to what Jesus says in the process in John 5, 24. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my voice, or sorry, hears my word. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment but has passed out of death to life. There it is, the process. We are in judgment. We are dead in sin. But he who hears the word and believes will not be judged. We will be made alive. 
This is the only way to God and to eternal life, people. That's it. Jesus says it himself. Now let's move down to John 5, 25. And Jesus says, And the hour is coming, and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and who's, and those who will hear will live. So there's this hearing of voice happening. There's this call. Okay? Verse 27. Then when we see... Then when we see here, God gave Christ authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. So verse John 5, 27, Christ has authority to execute judgment here. And we know that he does, he, you know, Matthew 28, just as we carry on to this, We'll move to, again, we're just going to move to Matthew 28 because as a side note, Jesus gives the Great Commission, but he tells us that he has been given all authority of heaven and earth. And we know through scripture that he sits on the throne today. Right now he's on the throne with all authority over heaven and earth on the right hand of God as he sits reigning over both. And Davis, David tells us in Psalm 110.1, which, by the way, Psalm 110.1 is the most quoted Old Testament scripture in the New Testament. And it says, The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Well, I ask in Psalm 110.1, who are the two lords? Well, he's speaking of the Father and the Son, clearly. Speaking of Jesus and the Father. And we also know this about Jesus' authority and reign if you look at 1 Corinthians 15. Paul says, Then comes the end when he hands over the kingdom to the God and the Father, when he abolished all rule and authority and power. And if you look at verse 25, 1 Corinthians 15, 25, he says, For he must reign... Who's he? Jesus. Until he has put all his enemies under his feet. There's the Psalm 110.1. And then he says the last enemy that will be abolished is death. So that's where we are. He's on the throne and that's what he's doing currently. So if you move back with me to John 5 and look at verse 30. Jesus says, I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. Listen to that. My judgment is just, whether we like it or not. Back to the verse. Because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Who? What is that will? It's the will of the Father, right? What's the will of the Father? What's the Father's will? It is critical to know this as we move forward. You see how this is coming together? Now let's go back to John chapter 6, which we did last episode, episode 24. It is so important to understand God's sovereign will, purpose, revelations found in scriptures. Not what some pastor with tight jeans, big glasses, and... uh, 
spiked hair might tell you. Listen, John 6, verse 38 and 39. For I have come down from heaven. Now, we're going to hear about the will because that's what he talked about. The will of the Father is who sent me. He's doing the will of the Father. Here it is. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, as he's going to repeat himself, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that that all that he has given me, I lose nothing, but raise him up on the last day. All the people he has drawn or we learn in those passages, he has granted, the Father has granted to the Son for grace and salvation. Christ is saying, I lose none of them. Now look at verse 40. The will of the Father continues. This is the will of my Father. That everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. And I myself will raise him up in the last day. This is the will of the Father for salvation and purpose of the cross. Verse 44. We're repeating a little bit of uh, last episode, but it's important. He says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Verse 65. John 6.65. No one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. Folks, this cannot be more clear about the process of salvation. We are all dead in our sins, and the free gift of grace is given to those the Father chooses. All the Father gives to the Son, He will lose nothing. We are secured. He explains it clearly. We're not roaming around, God is love, Jesus is love, and we hear somebody talk about it, and we're just going to go, yeah, I think I'm going to choose that. I think I'm going to say, uh, we call it the sinner's prayer, I think I'm going to ask Jesus into my heart, which there's nowhere in Scripture that ever says that, by the way. So churches that are promoting that and, and using that as, as their, as their uh, means of, of saving people in the church is, is just flat out wrong. It is not the process. We're hearing the process. It is the Father's choice. The Father draws. The Father enables. Christ's will is to come do the will of the Father, which everything has been given to him will not be lost, will not be um, I will lose nothing. It just can't it just can't be more clear. Quickly, uh, let's look at John chapter eight. Verse 24. I know we're bouncing around. I warned you. Chapter John, sorry, John chapter 8, 24 verse. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins, for unless what you believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. I just want that is just a clear verse going back to Ephesians 2 1, which is we're dead in our sins, and only through Christ are we saved through free grace. But Jesus is talking. Uh, to to the Jews and to the listeners, to his teaching his disciples, they're saying, "Hey, you're going to die in your sins. So, unless you believe, that's your path." Well, 
We also heard, and I want to just back up, we heard about hearing his word. He who hears the word. Okay, well, how do we hear the word? We've got to share the gospel, folks. We've got to share the actual gospel. Um, you know, Romans 10, 17, Paul says faith uh, uh, comes from hearing. You've got to hear it. We know that. Um, but we know that as Jesus is talking to the Jews here, as we go back to the text, we know that they were hardened they could not hear his voice. They could not understand his teaching. We know this over and over. If you've read the scriptures, you know they were dead in their sin and trespasses, and they were not his chosen sheep, as we're going to talk about here in a little bit. They weren't part of his sheep. They weren't called by God. We know today Jews' hearts are hardened, and we know by the promises of scripture that they are going to come to Christ at some point. But right now, they don't believe in Christ. Not all of them. There's converts. There's Jews that have, have turned. Uh, we see it in Scripture, uh, as a matter of fact. Uh, we're going to talk about it in a minute. But but majority of the Jews denied it and um, and are hardened and blinded. They can't hear his voice. Okay? And that's what uh, Jesus is talking about. So let's look at um, chapter 8 again. John 8, verse 30 and 31. He says, well, John records, as he spoke these things, many came to believe in him. Now, these were Jews. And Jesus says, if, and this is his response, if you continue in my, here's, here it is, my word. My word is scripture. That's what we have left. That's what he's left behind. Then you are truly disciples of mine. Again, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. That's the coffee mug verse. But really, what is he saying? You will divulge yourself in my word, in my scriptures. And this, to me, just ties, again, we're just moving along, ties right to what Jesus said after the Sermon on the Mount, which you will find in Matthew chapter 7, in verse 24. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, or the NIV version and other versions, put them into practice, may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Well, what was he talking about there? He's talking about the religious life. He's talking about his people that based on obedience to scriptures, the call for repentance, the rejection of salvation by works which we saw in Ephesians 2.8. People that are searching diligently into the scriptures for truth. His rock or her rock is Christ, the foundation, the person, the blood, the cross, the righteousness. The other, we learn as you read on, is built on the sand. It is where they don't have a foundation and cannot weather Christ's divine judgments. And finally here tonight, I want to move to this final piece of John 10. And this final piece of John 10 is, um, is going to be fun. We're just going to read through this a little bit. So we're going to look at John chapter 10. 
and I'm going to read verses 1, basically 1 through 18. We're going to talk about it a little bit. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear, here it is, hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Now, what we're seeing here very, very, very clearly is there's a call, there's a voice, there's a relationship. There is an intimate relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. There it is, the intimacy. Then here we go. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech, and this is you know John recording, this figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but... They did not understand who the Jews, what those things were, which he had been saying to them. Now, wait a minute. Back then, shepherd, sheep, a fold, entering the door. The Jews at that time, where we're at here 2000 years ago, clearly understood what that all looked like. The relationship, everything he's describing, he understood. But what we're learning here is the figure of speech Jesus spoke to them, they didn't understand what he was saying. They weren't relating it to the Messiah and the relationship between his death on the cross and resurrection and ascension that's going to happen down the road is going to open the door for people to follow him. And the voice of the shepherd, the good shepherd, is going to be heard by only his sheep. Verse 7, so Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are not thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. And will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The cross, as he's referring to. He who is hired hand, listen to this, Who's, here's who is hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming, and he leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my own. And my own know me. Even as the father knows me and I know the father. Now he's talking about this intimate relationship between himself and the father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. Okay, what's he saying? Let's back up. Who are the other sheep that are not of this fold? The Gentiles. I must bring them, the Gentiles also, and they will hear my voice. 
and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from my Father. Okay. These Jews couldn't hear his voice. They would not believe. They were not drawn by the Father or granted to the Son. And if you go on to verse 26 in John 10, 26, he's going to tell them, you don't believe because you're not my sheep. And he tells them that. Or you're not of my sheep. So I'm going to ask a question. As you think about John 10 here, I want you to think about this. And I heard Dr. White uh, sharing this on uh, Dividing Line when he was talking about uh, uh, you know, breaking through some, some, some of John. Does the sheep get to pick their shepherd? And, and, and I'm being serious here. The free will crowd... The universalists, universalism, who think they choose God, they have the sovereignty. Even when Romans disproves this, when Paul said, no one seeks God. In fact, we hate God. We rebel against him, his law. We want to live our own lives and we want to choose how we live it. We also think we can just choose God for salvation, right? His sheep do not choose the shepherd, but the shepherd chooses his sheep. And this was clear in these verses. They built this relationship. There's an intimacy. The sheep hear the shepherd's voice. They follow him obediently. They don't listen to strangers. They don't follow anyone else. And again, as I mentioned, the Jews fully understood what he was talking about when he was talking about sheep and shepherding. But they couldn't hear and understand what he was saying. Why? As they remained hardened and dead in their sin and transgressions. And folks, we just as we wrap this thing up, we need to fully understand the gospel. There is a false narrative out there. And it's growing and growing and growing. And I blame the modern church for people not truly understanding the importance of the gospel. These type of scriptures are state as a human being, full of sin and wrath to God, judgment upon us, death, a second death ahead of us. And the only way out is through faith in Christ. And that only happens by God who chooses us because all of us deserve death. None of us deserve life. But out of his mercy and love, he chooses to provide a free gift of grace. Not by anything we can do or anything we can say, but it's a free gift that's chosen by God, the Father, and is given to the Son, according to John 6, 
And only, according to John 10, his sheep hear his voice. There's only a chosen group of people that are going to actually respond. We don't know who those people are. And it just makes us really, if you're one, if you, if you, if you don't have a serious humbleness to you and a serious, uh, uh, just a huge amount of gratitude that God drew you, chose you, and gave you to Christ, and he will lose nothing. It's amazing. But again, I go back to the modern church. Oh, I, I'm just, I digress. My daughter is looking at social media, and you have 15-year-olds and 60-year-olds who have a ton of followers. That's so important now. And, and tons of people following her and them, and they claim they're Christians. But man, I could be Christian and I'm just going to live my life. And they like, they like just tout that they just, they sin and that's okay. Jesus loves me and I can do whatever I want and I can say whatever I want and I can cuss and I can do, this is the narrative and it is the modern and charismatic churches who are not preaching the gospel according to the scriptures and has brought massive confusion to not only just a ton of adults that are just lost on the path of destruction, who think they have Jesus, they think they know Jesus, but they have no idea. They don't have him at all. I think of Matthew uh, 7 where he says, Lord, Lord, I did all this in your name. And he said, I never knew you. Why? We heard that intimate relationship in John 10. We clearly could see it and hear it in scriptures, this intimate relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. So when he says, I never knew you, and you're claiming Jesus, you're not one of his sheep, you were never drawn, you aren't saved, and you don't have this personal relationship. You're claiming something that's not real. And now we have young high school, middle schoolers who uh, think that this love of Jesus loves everybody. Jesus loves every group, no matter what sinful ways you live. You're good. Universal, universalism, everyone's going to go to heaven. Isn't it great? Not according to any of these scriptures. And if you want to get deeper into it, and we're probably going to do this in an episode, just go read Romans 1 through 5. Just read Romans 1 through 3. I'm sorry, just read Romans 1. Um, Paul breaks it all down and what happens to those who suppress and, and don't know God truly, um, what happens. But the gospel, and again, I blame the church. It's too bad. It's sad. Uh, we are all dead in sin, as we talked about tonight. We're all leading the path to destruction. None of us are good, not even one. Our righteous deeds are filthy garments. But God's merciful and he's filled with love for his chosen people. And he offers the free gift by no means of what we've done, by no means of what we deserve. To those who repent, hear his voice, are drawn, repent, put their faith in Christ. And he brings us out of death into life. And the will of the Father, as we learn, is all he has been given to the Son. The Son, Jesus, will lose nothing. And everyone who believes in Christ will have eternal life. And we will die in our sins unless we believe, it says in John 8, right? Jesus said it straight up. You're going to die in your sins unless you believe. Christ came to die for his sheep. And all those the Father gives to him, grants him or enables him. The sheep do not pick their shepherd, folks. 
but the good shepherd picks his sheep. Both groups of the Jews, both folds, Jews and Gentiles. Well, I hope these verses were helpful. Uh, it was just something that I was able to share with my family. I just kind of was in the morning. I was just kind of just working through. I started in Ephesians 2, 1, and then just, and that's how we flow to John 5, to John 6, to John 8, to John 10, and a little bit of the overall gospel. There's many ways to go to the gospel through the scriptures. Um, we'll do more of it, but this is something that I just felt like, man, I want to share the process and the angle and how we just navigate through this and understand what the scriptures are telling us. Um, and by the way, I will post all the verses used on tonight's episode, so it'll help you walk through those, and those are going to be on our Facebook and Instagram pages, and you can find that at Next Level Equip. Again, at Next Level Equip is both for our Facebook and Instagram page. And please comment on those pages. We'd love to hear from you. And again, share this if this was important, if this was meaningful and edifying. Share it with your friends and family, please. Let them know about the podcast. Well, that's our conclusion tonight of episode 25. We appreciate you being here. We hope you enjoyed it. And we hope uh, that you have a great rest of the week. God bless.